This is the Daniel Alonzo Wealth on the Beach podcast. I'm a 20-year entrepreneur, investor, and business coach. I've spoken in front of over 300,000 people and been featured in Success Magazine. I became a millionaire at 24. I saved a million dollars in cash by age 28. And I am going to personally help you get totally, absolutely financially independent by creating massive, passive income. Join me now. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Daniel. What's going on, Patrice? How are you? I am fantastic. And I am so excited about this conversation. Now, ever since I met you at Tim Story's event, this is, I have been looking forward to having this conversation with you. Well, I'm excited. No, you're not as excited as I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I first have to say that it was such a pleasure meeting you at Tim Story's event. And my audience is very familiar with Tim. He's one of the favorites on the podcast, but you had an opportunity to share a bit of your story. And then I met your phenomenal wife, Karma afterwards. And we had a chance to just chat about how you guys reached financial independence, kind of relatively young compared to most and what you're on a mission to do regarding purpose and all this stuff. And then we even had a chance to go to lunch and hang out. And my husband adores your family and you guys don't know it yet, but you're going to be best friends. You don't know it, but we just <laughs> try to like go down with all this traveling, but super excited to have a chance to talk to someone who achieved financial independence relatively young and you were able to do it with passive income because we live in a time, I think, where people are so focused on just earning more through active income that they don't realize that there's a difference. And what I loved about you is when I met you, and I don't know if you remember this, we were chatting on the stage afterwards and you said, when people think of passive income, the only thing they talk about is real estate, but there's so much more out there. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many other ways to make money. And the thing about it though, is if you look at passive income, I mean, if you, if you look at the definition, I mean, passive income is technically speaking, it, it's really geared towards like real estate. And a lot of people look at real estate and, and of course, limited partnerships and things like that. And, and, you know, you could get technical about actual active and passive, and it could be a real drawn out conversation, especially with, if we had a CPA on right now, they could really get it technical. So, but, but I, I just, I want people to realize that there is a better way. And we're going to talk about that better way today, but I want everybody to kind of hold that in their mind that the way that we were raised, we were raised, you go to school, you get a good job with benefits, you work for 40 years, hopefully you have a little 401k or a pension at the end, you live out the rest of your life, next five or you know, 10 or 15 years, hopefully, and you die. And that's the way that 95% 95% of America is going to do that right there. And they think because we were programmed as young children, they think that that is the only way. And, and I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. You know, when we went to lunch that day, my husband and I talked about it. I keep saying my husband, like you don't know Gerald. So <laughs> Gerald love, I love Gerald. <laughs> Gerald and I talked about it quite a bit. And I shared this with you at the table that 
as I get older, Daniel, quite frankly, it, it is scary to me how much I have to show up in order to get paid. Like when right. I think about the percentage of my income, which is active income, and I do invest in real estate and I own apartment buildings and all this stuff, but still mm-hmm. the amount of my income that comes from having to actually perform services and show up someplace. Like I have to coach someone to get paid. I have to show up on television to get paid by that brand or that sponsor, or I have to show up to the speaking gig to get paid. And that is a majority, quite frankly, of my income. And the thing that I loved about what you were talking about is how from a young age, you were able to kind of break free of that mold kind of quickly because you got started in, in your business at what, 20 or 21 or 21. Yeah. 21 years old, but you were supposed to become a professional baseball player. So, so tell (laughs) us that journey. Like how did that all, I I don't know necessarily. I mean, with all transparency, I don't think I was going to ever become a professional baseball player, but I played baseball since I was four years old. The only reason why I went to college was to play baseball. I hated school. I hated traditional education the the system I think is that could be a whole nother conversation, but I think the educational system today has so many holes in it. And there's so many broken areas in the system today. And, and I just, I, I hated it. I hated going to school. I, you know, of course I went because my parents told me to, and, and I learned from teachers that were probably well-meaning, but a lot of them were struggling financially themselves So it was very hard for me to take them seriously. And then at 14 years old, I was out with a friend of mine. I was a bad boy. I mean, I was, you know, you would consider me a bad boy growing up. Me and the principal, you know, vice principal, we were best friends. I mean, I was in the office every week and we had lots and lots of conversations. I got in a lot of fights growing up. My grandfather was a professional boxer, so he taught me how to fight from a young age. And I was, you know, I was a smaller guy. I mean, I'm not a tall guy. I'm not a big guy. And so a lot of the bigger guys would like to try to take advantage of me or, you know, try to bully me around. And they didn't realize that I could actually fight. So, you know, (laughs) I, I kicked a lot of their asses, believe it or not. And so I held my own as a small guy, you know, and So anyways, at 14, I was actually visiting a friend and it was actually down in Newport Beach and we would go out at night and we would try to open up cars to try to find like maybe change or maybe we would find sunglasses or whatever. And his his mom, she, I think, drank too much and she would be knocked out by 10 and then we would be literally roaming the streets till three o'clock in the morning. And so anyways, one night we go out and I open up a van actually. And I still think to this day, there was somebody probably sleeping in the van, but I saw a boom box radio. So now I'm dating myself here. You know what I'm talking (laughs) about? An actual boom box radio with a tape cassette in there. Uh, I think it was a double tape cassette maybe, but I grabbed the boom box radio. And by the way, I still have the boom box radio today. Yes. I stole it, ran like the wind. And I mean, I hit the jackpot. This was like winning the lotto. And I get back to this, my friend's house and we're looking at the radio and we're looking at the cassette tape. There was a cassette tape in that radio by Jack Canfield. And it was one of his first ever, it was called self-esteem and peak performance or something like that. And I mean, it, it changed my life. I mean, I didn't, not that I did everything it told me to do right away at 14, but I still have that tape today. 
I still have the Boombox radio today. And I learned from that tape. And it, it was like a series of like nine tapes, but I only listened to one. But that one tape, I listened probably a hundred times. And it talked about asking for what it is that you want. That was like the main thing. I remember him saying, all right, everybody. And he's talking to an audience. He's like, everybody write this down. Ask, 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 ask. And he still does it today, I think. And Jack Canfield, of course, chicken soup for the soul. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that you have to ask the world for the things that you want. And of course, the, the Latin factor is one of my favorite books of all time as well. So anyways, that happened to me. That was what got me on the road to changing my life. Wow. Okay. I didn't know you were a little thief, Daniel, but that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can hold it. Yeah. Yeah. We all have our story, right? So yeah, yeah. then fast forward to about 21 years old, when you get introduced to the business that you're still into this day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how did that happen? I had a lot of, you know, five, six best friends, you know, my little crew that we used to hang out with in high school. And one of the guys that was my best friend, he had got introduced to the business and I mean, he just wouldn't shut up about it. I mean, he would tell me about it every single day, every week. I mean, I, I had zero interest in doing it. I, I just did not see it. I did not see myself as being like a salesperson. I didn't see myself as being in financial services. Now, another little side story. I mean, I actually was never really good in math. I mean, math was probably my worst subject. And so for him to say, hey, you're going to go into financial services, I thought he was joking. I'm like, I hate math. I don't want to be in finance. Zero interest in working numbers all day. So anyways, bottom line is uh, he talks to me about the business. I show up to this event and this guy is on stage. He sounds like like an infomercial four o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm going to get wealthy and change my life and do all these great things and travel the world and build residual income, passive income and all this stuff. And I remember sitting in the front row and I'm like, Patrice, there's no way this could be real. I mean, all that kept going through my mind was this is bullshit. This can't be real. There's no way it could be real. And then it just clicked in my head. I said, wait a minute. I said, this guy was like, I think he was a grocery store manager that quit being a grocery store manager. He made like $70,000. Now this is 20 years ago. So that might be over a hundred thousand dollars in today's dollars, but he made a hundred thousand dollars his first year in business. And I'm thinking I'm making $14,000 a year. I'm broke. I got nothing. Why wouldn't I at least try? Mm. Why wouldn't I at least give it a shot and see what happens? I mean, worst case scenario, I always, I always used to tell myself like worst case scenario, I go bankrupt and I have to start all over. I mean, that, that was like, I remember telling myself that like worst case scenario, I fail and I do something else or I go back to school or I do whatever. And I said, but I'm going to try quit college. And I was part-time for a little while, but I, I ended up quitting college. And it was a matter of fact, it was the math class that really got me to quit. It was the college <laughs> professor that, that, you know, just drove me up the wall. And I said, I'm out. And I, I quit college. And I went full board and I started building a financial services company. And here you are about 20, a little over 20 20, years later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 20, 22 years later now, 43. Wow. So essentially the business that you got into is known as an MLM or multi-level marketing. Is that correct? 
Yes and no. It's, it's, okay. it's, it might be, it might be more considered direct sales. We operate very similar to a real estate agency. If you could kind of picture yeah. that in your mind, you know, there's a broker, which, which I'm a, I'm a VP with the company. So I have my own office because a lot of, a lot of multi-level businesses, they run like out of their home. There's no physical office. They just work, you know, kind of they hold product in their garage and things like that. Well, in my business, what I liked about it is that it's a little bit more on the professional side in the sense that I do have a physical location. I have a 5,000 square foot building that I own in Ontario, California, and I run my personal operation out of that building. We have a, a secretary that's full time. She's there mm-hmm. all day long for, to you know, help our agents process business. And so basically what happens is I recruit and train agents to come on board with me. And just like a a real estate broker would hire a real estate agent. And those brokers now, like, I mean, those agents that I have, they're all independent agents. So they get to come and go as they please. They work as much or as little as they want to. And that's it. And if they produce, they make money, but I also make money as well. And Uh, and that's the way it works. I love learning the distinction between kind of direct sales and MLMs. And to be honest with you, Daniel, one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on is because I have gotten several DMs just in the past several weeks, I would say, mm-hmm. where people have asked my opinion about MLMs. And I think right. that they get lumped together because mm-hmm. I've been asked about several different types, in which case I always tell people like, I don't have any experience with that. Right, right. And what stands out to me the most, I'm going to just be honest, is whether it's direct sales or an MLM, is that I hear it get a bad rap all the time. But then I've also met several people who are like you who have done phenomenally well. And I, it really is hard to distinguish between why it gets such a bad rap. And then there's people like you (laughs) that are out there like how, why do you think that is, or what happens to create that kind of dysfunctional view of this type of business? I think that it has to do with the, look, it's just like anything else. I mean, there is no get rich quick scheme in in the world. I mean, ultimately the reason why Daniel Alonzo became successful at my business is because I love the business. I mean, once I figured it out and I figured out that I was actually adding value, I had a major purpose. I had a major crusade that I was on. I was correcting an injustice. I was making a difference in so many people's lives. When that happened to me and I started to feel that, I, of course, just gave everything I had to it. So I I think it's like with anything else. I mean, people, they get involved with a multi-level or they get involved in anything. I mean, people start car detailing businesses and they're all excited in the beginning. And then, but it's really not what they love to do. So they never go try to get great at it. I mean, I was up early in the morning studying scripts, listening to tape cassettes. I was watching VHS videos. I was going to seminars. I was learning from anybody and everybody that I could learn from to try to get better. So whether if it was this business or if it was some other business, I think I'd have probably done well at it only because I would have made it my passion and I would have made it what I love to do. And once you figure out what you love to do and what you're passionate about, I think it's very difficult to not succeed at it. And so I think a lot of people, they join multi-level because 
they think it's a get rich quick. They think, Hey, if I join and I show up and I'm magically going to get rich. And that is just not the case. It's just unfair for anybody to say that anything is going to be overnight or it's going to be a get rich quick scheme. It's just very unfair. I never have sold. And I think I've been more successful. I think I've had a more stable business through the years because I've never preached that. I've always been very honest and and very transparent with people saying, look, it's going to take work. You're going to have to learn new things. You're going to have to become the best version of you if you're going to be successful. And I've put together incredible systems and processes that allow people to maybe have success a little bit faster. But ultimately, it comes down to the person. Will the person give everything they got? Will they do what it takes? Will they master their craft? Indeed. I keep telling people that approach me with this question, Daniel, that even though I don't have any direct experience with it yet, I would say that anything that's not in alignment with your purpose is going to be a struggle. That's it. Like you cannot just choose something. And to your point, anything, you can be a traditional job or start a tradition, whatever you consider to be a traditional business. But if it's not in alignment with your purpose, to your point, your priorities are always going to be out of whack. And that unfulfillment is always going to lead you to make poor financial choices, which inevitably will erode the business, right? Because you'll be running around kind of chasing money, if you will, and acting desperate. And, you know, I've been approached by several companies over the years or people within companies. And I have to tell you the truth. One of the things that I always struggled with was, first of all, at different points, I was like, well, I'm already more successful than you. This doesn't make sense. Like, you know, right, right. Like you're not even looking, looking the part or, you know, right. you're going to tell me, I don't know, a tea that's supposed to flatten my tummy. Then I need your tummy to be flat, Daniel. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah, you have to use your own supply here. You have to use your own products because how do you sell something that you don't even believe in? Yeah, there's two pieces of that that I want to make sure that everybody's clear on. When you start out at anything, you're not going to be very good at it. Mm -hmm. And the first day I joined the business, I wasn't going to go talk to somebody that was super successful because I'm not going to be able to attract that person. So you got to, when you're out there recruiting, when you're trying to build a business or trying to find people to to jump on board with you, look at what level you are at. So I always used to think about it. If if I'm a level five in my self-improvement and my, my skills and, you know, just overall credibility, then maybe I should talk to fives and sixes, maybe, you know what I mean? Mm. But, but if I'm a three, be careful going and talking to an eight and a nine, because you're probably not going to have the kind of credibility that it's going to take to get that person to jump on board with you. And I think, like you said, the desperation in people early on is very unattractive. Yeah. A decision that I made early on to help me build my business, maybe a little bit faster. Cause I mean, within three years I was making a hundred thousand. I mean, I'm not saying I made a million dollars overnight. I mean, it took me three years to get to over a hundred thousand, but because I had a good foundation and I mastered my craft, the next year I made 170. And then the next year I made 250. And then the next year I made 350. And the next year I made almost a half a million dollars. 
And I had saved, and, and I, that was, I was 28 by then. And I was making a half a million dollars a year. But the best part about it, I'd saved a million dollars. So and I'm talking cash. I'd saved a million dollars in cash. But this is the cool thing. The reason why I did that, Patrice, is because I wanted to be a living, breathing example of financial success. How am I going to help you change your life if I don't change my own? If I don't become financially independent, how am I going to get you to become financially independent? And so that was, that's what really drove me. I really had a purpose to become financially independent so that I can teach others how to become financially independent. Yeah, I think that that is so key. And I love that you put it that way because it, it makes you take real inventory about where you are and be realistic about even sharing maybe your story. Because one of the things I know is that when I lost everything, Daniel, and I had to start over from scratch, what I would tell people is that I lost all my money, but my mind isn't bad. Right. right. And I am on my way back and I want to take as many people with me. And there were some people who laughed at me, like, what are you supposed right. to teach me? And then there were some people who were like, oh, I'm with you. I believe you because I haven't been back. I, I've never been there. So right, right, you know, right. I'll go with you. And so it's been a journey, but I was also very realistic about where I was. I wasn't coming to people like someone who was on a mountaintop. Right. And I still don't, quite frankly. Right you know, approach people like I'm on this mountaintop and you need to get to where I am. It's like, no, I was like, I am on a journey. Here's where I am in the journey. Here are the things that I've learned. And I just want us all to be better. And I'm going to share if you're willing to listen, let's all go. But when someone says, or when it's very obvious that someone is at a starting point or they're in their valley kind of scenario, if you will, or that they are just going through a transition it doesn't feel good for the person that you are making the offer to for you to downplay where they are. Cause that right. happens a lot. Right, right, right. Or question everything about them and say, well, you're failing. You need yeah. to follow me. It's like, Hey, right. Hey, Hey, that cannot be the tactic. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, you know? yep. So kind of assessing where you are and being willing to take people who are, as you said, kind of at your level and bring them along. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what we can do. Here's what I've already achieved. And where, like, this is the vision that I see and we can do this together. I think it's so much more impactful. At least that's the approach that I would take. No, I I think that's, that's huge, uh, Patrice. And, and I think that the reason why a lot of people fail at a lot of different businesses, because they're just not honest. I was always very, very honest about what I was doing. If I sat down with a client and I couldn't, legitimately make their situation better. Mm-hmm. I'd get up, shake their hand, thank them for their time. And I would move on versus trying to sell something just because you're making a commission or you're making money. And I think that, and look, these are things that probably maybe I could be making more money today. Had I done some of those things, I mean, I can close, I can get results. I consider myself a master at closing master at sales. And I've been doing it for 22 years. I I think I'm pretty good at it, but I believe in, man, you know, I've gotten some of the best referrals from those clients that I've looked them in the eye and said, look, there's really nothing I can do for you. I cannot make your life better. So I'm just going to leave you where you're at 
And they've looked at me like, are you serious? What closing skill did that come? You know, like, like, are you nuts? I mean, nobody does that. You know, nobody's honest about, and it's just, it's really interesting how many people are blown away. I, I was, I was on with a guy the other day. I, I had a telephone call the other day with a, but uh, he owns a construction company and makes a lot of money. And this could be a potential big, big client. I said, look, he asked me, he said, well, I want a 401k for my company. And I said, you know, and I asked him a couple of questions and I said, ah, don't think that that's right for you at this present moment for different factors. But I said, I don't think it's right for you. I said, I think it's way too expensive at this point. And, and I would never want to put you in something that is just to put you there because I make more money or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. he was like blown away. He was totally blown away. He was like, are you kidding me? He's like, he sent me all his email information. He sent me all his, he was like so excited to work with somebody like me because he knew I had character. He knew I was, I was going to take him to where he wants to go in an honest way. Blew him away, yeah. blew him away. But man, what a, what a way to, as you're building your business, don't oversell things. I think, you know, you try to make things, it's like, overnight or get rich quick scheme or sleazy or things like that. I, I just never been okay with that kind of stuff. I hear you. I hear you. I was the same way in real estate. So I can complete, and I'm like that now, even with people yeah, who are yeah. about coaching, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I probably turned down half of the people. I'm not the yep. coach for you. You know, yep. I want to talk about the actual power of creating a business based on passive or residual income like you have, because there's a freedom I'm assuming that comes with that. And I think that's also something that needs to be considered because again, very different from me where so much of my income is based on active income where I must show up. I don't feel like I have the same level of freedom that you and karma probably have, but that's my desire for not just myself, but for my audience. I want yeah. people to understand more about that. Well, I mean, I just think that, like I said, there is a better way and whether it be my business or whether it be some other company out there, I think that a business like mine that is very, it doesn't cost a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's like a franchise, you know, I built a franchise that it's almost like a, like, if you think of McDonald's, you know, McDonald's has thousands, 20,000, 25,000 outlets or whatever. And of course the guy that owns McDonald's doesn't have to work anymore. He's golfing. He's with his family. He's helping charitable organizations. He's humanitarian philanthropist or whatever you call it. And so gets to do the things that he wants to do because he's built a business with distribution. And that's the key is that most of us were programmed to go get a job versus saying, let's go build a process. Okay. So I teach people that you got to have a process. That's really your business foundation. That means your system. That means how to say it, what to say, who to say it with. Mm -hmm. And then you have to duplicate it. And how do you duplicate it? You duplicate it through systems like technology. When in 1999, I became a VP, I opened up my first office. First thing I did. And again, here you go with the dating again. My first thing I did was I recorded my first night presentation on an audio cassette. So I sat there with one of those big, remember those tape recorders where you have to press both of the buttons at the same I time, do. the record and play at the same time. 
Well, I was the I master mean, of the mixtape on radio. Absolutely. Radio so, so, so was I. So was I. And so me and Karma were sitting in our 1,200 square foot condo on our Ikea kitchen table. All right. That was our dining room table. Okay. We couldn't, you couldn't open up the refrigerator and cook at the same time. Okay. That's how small the kitchen was. Okay. So we're sitting there and we're recording my first night presentation. That was the beginning of duplication is I put together processes, manuals. Eventually they became CDs and DVDs and websites now and YouTube channel and podcast now and all these different. And so all it is, it's been a duplicatable process that I've built just like McDonald's sends you to McDonald's university or in and out university so that you can learn their systems. All of my agents, they come in, they learn exactly what to do, what to say to give them better odds that they're going to have success in our business. And then I sold a dream. I sold a vision of what is possible. If they show up, if they bring people, if they set up appointments, if they believe in what we do, if they get their partner involved, if they try to follow the, the, you know, if they have a do it now attitude, if they do these certain things over and over and over, and then get other people to do those certain things over and over again, that's when you start developing leaders that started to produce other people and it started to take off and the business started taking on a life of its own. And that's the key right there is when you build leaders, that's when your teams start to take on a life of its own and it grows with or without you. See Ray Kroc built McDonald's. It still grows today and he's not even here anymore and it's still growing. That's my business. That's my model. And so because of that, we now have the freedom of time. And the freedom of money. I mean, there's a lot of CEOs, Patrice, that make a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of homeless people that have a lot of freedom, but they don't have any money. So when you build a team and you build a process and duplicate it and teach other people how to do what you do, I mean, that's the work right there is duplicating those habits and then selling a vision of what other, what could happen to people if they do what they're supposed to do. That's when the, the, the massive residual income starts pouring in. And that's what happened to us. I love that freedom of time and money, mm-hmm. freedom of time and money. And there's a big thing right now in the personal finance industry. There's a movement which refers to financial independence and retiring early. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I find so fascinating about you is that the more I talk to you and get to know you guys, you have all of this residual income. You have the freedom of time and money. And honestly, Daniel, you probably don't have to do as much as you do. Like you started a podcast, you're (laughs) writing your first book, right? Right. Is it your first book? First book. First book, Wealth on the Beach. And you have all these things going on. And there's this whole debate about what is the real purpose in financial independence? Is it really just to retire early and do nothing? And for me personally, in my early forties, I could not imagine sitting around and doing nothing. What, what was the point of financial independence for you? Obviously it was the freedom of time and money, but what does that really mean for the, the larger purpose of Daniel Alonzo? Well, look, when I was 21, 
all I wanted to do was retire at 30. That was my, that was my purpose. Okay. I mean, honestly, I mean, when I first started in business, that's all I thought about every day. I worked night and day because I wanted to be retired by the time I was 30. That's all I thought about. And then uh, one of my big mentors, I guess you could call it in life is, is Tony Robbins. And I've been to several of his seminars. I have a, an aunt that was in one of Anthony Robbins's infomercials, believe it or not, years in the 90s, in the late 90s. And she knew him. And so she took me to my first Anthony Robbins seminar. And so, so that dream of being retired at 30 quickly went in the garbage because Anthony Robbins said, when you retire, you die. And I'll never forget. He said that when you retire, you die. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to die at 30. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so I better figure out something else, you know? And, And so anyways, it was my mission to build financial independence. Financial independence to me is that freedom of time and money is to have the, the freedom to work, to deliver myself and serve the world. I mean, I, I've always been a servant. I've always. And so, so when I got to financial independence at 28, because technically a million dollars in cash at 28, if that's invested, if we could, could have got a 10% return, that would, that would have generated a hundred thousand dollars a year. That was, you know, a lot of years ago. I mean, that would have been plenty for us to get by. We had very low overhead. Our mortgage was, I think, $700. But anyways, I mean, and obviously we weren't going to stop there, but for all intents and purposes, we were free. We, we were free. We, we didn't have to work anymore. So now what drove me is this is what drove me. I do events at my office every week. Matter of fact, I'm going to do one tonight. And every week, every Tuesday night, I do an event at my office in Ontario, California. We get 100, 150, 200, sometimes 300 people to come out. And I remember being up on stage one night and I'm, you know, I'm living the dream. I'm living my dream, at least, you know, not that I was private jets or Rolls Royces or anything, but I'm like, I'm free. I got a million dollars. I'm 28 years old. I'm making a half a million dollars a year. I mean, dang, this is unbelievable. You know, this is something I never could imagine. I was making $7 an hour, seven years earlier. I mean, so it's like, this was, this was mind boggling what happened to me. And I'm thinking, man, life's great and everything. And then, I, and then I look at, at the crowd and I'm thinking, if I don't keep working, there is a less possibility that all of these people are going to have the best opportunity that they could have. So I have to stay. I can't retire. I have to keep going. That's my purpose. That's my passion. My passion is serving the world. And that's why I do stuff like this because I don't have to. I mean, I'm worth probably, you know, with my business and and everything, I mean, you know, probably in the range of 15, $16 million we're worth today. I mean, I know a lot of people are probably worth way more than that or whatever, but, but I say that because for me, a kid that came from a neighborhood that I came, not so good neighborhood in Almonte, California, a neighborhood that I probably wouldn't even drive my new car down the street today, because being nervous, you know, driving a nice car down that street and to come from where I came from to have that kind of success. And on top of that, really have not had to work since I was 28 years old. It's just, it's awesome to know that I get to spend the rest of my life trying to help other people create that same dream for themselves. Mm, I love that. I love that. I mean, I think 
the point of financial independence is your own freedom, but it's also the freedom to live in whatever purpose you feel called to. Yep. You know, where you can actually make decisions not based on solely a paycheck, but you can make it based on, you know, I had this affirmation that I would always say and I share on Twitter. I work because I want to, not because I have to. Right. And I said that well before it could even potentially be a possibility, Daniel, but it was Mm -hmm. about training my brain and my mind and my spirit to just understand that I was working towards that freedom of choice and that no matter whether I had the opportunity or the ability to retire or not, I feel that I'm blessed to be a blessing. I just feel like I'm blessed to be a blessing. So it's my duty and responsibility to use my voice or my platform or whatever things that I've been blessed with as a way to help and support others, especially like you coming from South Central Los Angeles and also (laughs) a neighborhood where the life that I live today is just not real. Like that was not something, I mean, I dreamed of it. Absolutely. And I envisioned a lot for myself, but it wasn't the norm. You wouldn't, I mean, I didn't even know people who had uncles or aunts or anything that had really done anything in particular. Like, it's just not a normal conversation. If I can be an inspiration or, you know, just some form of encouragement, there's not enough beaches I can go lay on. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing that was, I mean, for me, at least that was a little bit hard when we were coming up with the the name wealth on the beach, because that's, you know, obviously that elicits a thought in your mind that you lay out on the, you know, that when you get financially independent, you just lay out on the beach and you do nothing for the rest of your life. I mean, that was, that was like far from what I ever thought about. I mean, I think it was more of a visual to give people that there is a different way that you don't have to be tied to a cubicle for the rest of your life. You can build a life of freedom and choices. Look, a few years ago, uh, when the world cup came out, buddy of mine called me up and said, Hey, let's go to the world cup. I said, Okay. I mean, it wasn't like I had to check with my boss. It wasn't like I had to go ask anybody. I don't, it's just, it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling to know that you get to call the shots. We're a big supporter of city of hope and, and, you know, we love to go to their auctions and we actually love to go to, if anybody has a silent auction, they want to invite me to, I love to go to silent auctions. I love (laughs) donating. And I love, I mean, look, that's, that's a big part of our charitable giving is giving, you know, to different organizations through like silent auctions. And we love, well, I love sports memorabilia and karma likes bidding on stuff, you know? So it's like, you know, (laughs) that's, that's a little, it's a perfect combo, you know? And, and so, but, and we have fun with it, but it's just like, there's so many cool things that you can do. I mean, I remember years ago, we would, me and karma, we would adopt little kids, you know, we would like little like weekend and we would take them out. And it was like some big brother and big sister program that we used to do. And, you know, we used to get to do that. And, and our kids have always gone to a, a well, they did uh, till I think fifth or sixth grade, they went to a private Christian school and anytime they would need something, they needed cameras, they needed, somebody needed to go to the trip, but their parents couldn't afford it. And they'd always come to us and say, Hey, can you guys pitch in? Hey, no problem. Write the check. Let's do it. I always wanted to be the person, you know, even today, my mom, sometimes she, cause she helps me with my bills. I, I, I love my mom. She's an amazing, amazing lady. She has helped me so much through the years, making sure that my businesses run correctly. And she looks out for me and she goes to the office and I also pay her to be grandmother too. So she gets a little bit of that too. And, but 
it's awesome that you're able to do those things for the people that you love. And my mom, sometimes she'll look at my, cause I have all, all my accounts in Quicken and we run a tight ship. I run my business like a business. I run my financials like any other business in the world. And I don't take it very lightly. I'm very, very serious about making sure we manage our money in a responsible way. You know, we've been too much is given, much is required. And, and so I feel like I have a, a big responsibility not to be wasteful, not to make bad choices financially. So anyways, with that said, my mom, she'll sometimes she'll look at my accounts and she'll go, wow, that's a lot, you know, and she'll say, you need to just go spend more. Or she'll say, why do you save so much? And why, you know, or whatever, you know, and in a, in a nice way, I mean, she does it in a loving way, like, Hey, go <laughs> treat yourself more. You know, you should be doing more treating of yourself versus saving so much. And, and I said, mom, I said, you don't understand one day you might need me. And one day somebody in our family might need me. And I want to make sure that I can write the check. I want to make sure that one day our family's okay. I want to make sure that one day if my Ava, my daughter or Max need a, needs an operation that I can come through. I don't need to buy the, the, the $500,000 car right now. I don't need to buy the $10 million home right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but what I do know is that I want to be responsible because I have a lot of responsibility. And I want to make sure I do it right. And that's why I keep going. That's why I keep trying to help people. That's why is because I have a responsibility as a father, as a son to take care of my family. If God forbid ever something happened and hopefully they never, nothing like that ever happens, but I'm going to make sure I'm going to position no matter what to be able to take care of things that need to get taken care of. Mm. Man, Daniel, that was, I felt that. <laughs> I felt that. I totally, totally, I felt that I can relate to it and I respect it so much. I really do. Oh my goodness. This was good stuff. Before I let you go, we do what we call here redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you four and well, three questions in a statement and you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. First thing is how do you define success? Servanthood. I don't think anyone said that before. Very good. Sir. Instead of leadership, it's followership. I believe you got to be a great follower before you'll ever be a great leader. Okay. You have to tell us a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> so, so look, look, everybody wants to be the leader, but in any great cause in the world, any great event, any great company, there has to be people that follow. So I am a servant to the people that I work with and I try to make their lives better. I try to push them up. I try to help them become successful. So I am following other people, even though I'm the leader, I'm still following people. I'm still accountable to people, still trying to help people above me mm -hmm. as well as lead the people below me. So it's called mm -hmm. followship. So you have to be a great follower before you're going to become a great leader. I love that. Oh, that was good. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Freedom, family, love, I guess. I mean, I, you know, wealth, I mean, we have a lot of love. So I think I'm pretty wealthy in that area. And we have a lot of freedom. And my family is why I do it. So I'm pretty wealthy. I mean, I, I think I got the money deal. The money's good, man. The money's great. I'm, I'm not giving the money back. You know, I'm not giving <laughs> it back to the company. 
but it's, if we don't have those other things, right. Mm -hmm. What good is the money? That's right. If you ain't got the love of your family and you ain't got the love of your kids and man, I mean, think about it. I mean, your kids are watching you. You got to make good choices. That's right. Love it. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Oh, wow. You know, I think, I mean, on a monetary level, I mean, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one of those books that really got me to see the difference of how people make money. Again, it's, it's, the, it's the active income being an employee. A lot of the active income is an employ, uh, like a self-employed person. And then, of course, the becoming an investor and becoming a business owner. Those are the areas that you're going to be able to achieve that residual and passive income. Yep. It's like the Bible of personal. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, it was redefining for me. Yep. For sure. Okay. Fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Daniel Alonzo. And the truth about wealth is there's so many components to wealth. I think people think about it just as money. And you become wealthy. Like today, we have 1,400 licensed agents that work with us. To me, I am wealthy with friends. I could go anywhere in the country and I could sleep on somebody's couch. I, that's how many people that I know around the country that are my friends. I, I mean, friendships and family and love and helping people and servanthood and, and, and all that. I, I, I think that's, uh, that's wealthy to me. So, Thank you, Daniel. Thank You're welcome. You so much. I know that the audience is going to be blessed. And I definitely think that you've planted the seed for folks to have a different perspective of something that maybe they haven't really been engaged in or they've been considering or they just heard some not so nice things about and they have an opportunity to see the true heart of a servant in this type of space like what this really looks at and what drives and motivates someone in this space, because it's not just money for you. Although you've, you know, created financial independence, it's bigger than that. And I hope that people can see that it's bigger than that, that there's a purpose behind it and not be kind of thrown off by any other stuff they've heard. And that's really what I wanted to come across today. So I appreciate you so much. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> 